Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Well, welcome in, everyone, to Rock Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you on our rock podcast where we talk about all things rock, all things music. Uh, and uh, we may make fun of some of your picks, but for you, we'll make an exception. Uh, and we are just happy to be here and back together once again for another episode, just rocking out. It's a chance for my good friend Jimmy Mack to get in touch with me and tell me, hey, why aren't we getting the let out? But that's not what we do here on this particular episode. On this episode, it's all about the music that uh, we both love. And in this instance, hopefully, it'll be a way for you to discover an album you may have missed out on back in the 90s when we were all covered in grunge. We'll talk about that and more. But to do that, we got to bring in the rockinest chick in the land up on the shore. Her internet problems have been worked out. And we are together once again, ladies and gentlemen, Kristen in Jersey. Did I lose? Hey, oh, there she is. All right. I was like, did I lose Kristen in Jersey? It's so, like, my headphones are being weird. Give me oh, a no. Okay. Her headphones are being weird. All right. We're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening, but we're good. I mean, it just, it's in the theme with tonight, right? Right. Well, yeah, my gear is strewn between two or three places, and uh, we tried to do this a couple of weeks back, three weeks ago. Yeah. And Woo. and um and your internet was on the blink and uh, then I was in and out of town and here we are and wife's birthday and now here we are so welcome finally getting to it finally. But you know what sometimes you know good things come to those who wait and sometimes the things you have to wait for are sometimes the best yeah so. well look I am absolutely um, excited about this particular show because of. The, the topic and, and you know there's no sense in burying the lead one of the things we talk about so often on this show is um the fact that the 90s really bum us out <laughs> yes i mean i think we did a whole show about it <laughs> yeah and um and 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 one of the reasons is because all of the all of the great music from the 80s it's it's interesting because really the 90s and and people from my generation in the 90s for whatever reason, by and large, seemed to kick back against the decade of excess that was the 90s or the 80s. And and I guess what you had, I need to be careful how I say this. I don't want to make anybody too mad. But really, you had a bunch of spoiled brats um, come out of the 80s into the 90s be like, I'm just not happy. And <laughs> and you end up with, uh, you know, the, the grunge scene, you know, it's a little grittier, you know, all of the glam that had been, you know, the glam and glitter of the of the seventies into the eighties was kind of kicked back against. And if you couldn't redefine, you might get le- you might get left in the wayside. And um, you know, and and really, uh, you know, I said we all kind of got covered with a bunch of grunge, and and that's kind of in a lot of ways what happened. The alternative music scene got really really big, um, you know, and as well as the grunge scene. 
And it seemed like rock was kind of going, you know, by the wayside in a lot of ways. But in the midst of that, there were people that were still putting out music. And in this case, you know, our, one of our favorites, Def Leppard, was still putting out the music. Yep, they were still trudging along. I mean, they knew, me and Steve were talking a little bit about this off air, but like, I mean, they knew 100% that this record was not going to be successful. It wasn't going to be played on the radio. The working title was Commercial Suicide. You know, I think that kind of says everything you need to know about the music period or that time for music with the bands that we loved. Nothing was going to happen for them. Um, as far as I knew at this point, and, and we're talking about Slang, which was released smack dab in the middle of the decade, pretty much in 96, May of 1996. Um, as far as I knew in my life, Def Leppard had come and gone and Adrenalize was the last offering they had to give. Um, you know, I, I, the last thing it was cool to rock out to was Let's Get, Let's Get Rocked. Um, they had a couple of other, they had a ballad on that album. Was that, uh, was that, have you ever needed someone so bad? Was that on that? It was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so that was still cool, you know, early nineties, but you were still kind of in that late eighties glow. But by the time you hit 93, 94 and, uh, you know, Nirvana comes on the scene and, and Pearl Jam and all of these other people that were, I mean, in, in all fairness, kind of changed the face of rock, you know, rock moved from Los Angeles to Seattle, basically in a lot of ways. And, um, and so in the midst of that in 96 slang gets released. And as I said, it wasn't on my radar at all, but I realized Kristen that there wasn't a lot that was on my radar in 1996, (laughs) because I want to just go, I've pulled up the billboard top 100, from, oh yeah. <laughs> from from the week of May 14th, uh 1996 and I am just I'm perusing I'm not going to go through all of course all 100 and name them, but I am I'm kind of perusing from 100 on up and isn't like always be my baby like the second top song or something? Yes, yeah, that's, Like that's where we're at. Right. It's uh Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby. Um but I'm seeing Peaches is down from President's United States. It's down 11 from last from the week prior at 76. Uh, you know, Bush has hit Glycerin was down to 75, and then you come on up and and continue. Uh, you know, and and you see thing you see groups like Space Hog, Blues Travelers, Hook was at number 50 at this point. And I don't know how many it been on. I guess the the charts for this point. Uh, 20 23 weeks or i don't know if that was the top but anyway um the the thing is as you come on up you continue to come on up and collective souls on here uh but you get to the top 10 and and here's where they are here's what we got number 11 on the way up the charts this week and i stopped because this is one follow you down uh from the gin blossoms Mm -hmm. you know and uh that would be a hit uh r kelly number 10 with down low Nobody has to know. Never uh, heard it, but no, with me. everything that's come out about him lately, that <laughs> title, mm, interesting. Right. Um, number nine, Count On Me from Whitney Houston and CeCe Winans uh, from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Number Never eight. heard of it. Now, number eight is one that I, I had heard of, and it's Give Me One Reason to Stay Here from Tra- uh, Tracy Chapman. And, I feel like I've heard that song. Yeah, but... give me one reason to stay here. It's very just oh, bluesy. Yep. Yeah, 
and I'll turn right back around. Um, and that's on the way up the charts. At number seven was Coolio. One, two, three, four, parentheses, something new, close parentheses. <laughs> so... Coolio, not Gangster's Paradise, Coolio. Nope, nope. One, two, three, four, Coolio. Right, and I have no idea, but I don't know that. I can't tell you the only song so far in the top ten that I've seen is number that I know is number eight. Give me one reason. <laughs> number six, You're the One by SWV. I don't even know who SWV is. I don't either. Like, Is that like a girl group? It is I... a girl group. The picture I'm looking at over here are three, three women. And uh, so, yeah. Um, that was the thing at the time. It was like, you know, SWV, TLC. Like, that mm -hmm. was, you know, it was like the in, you know, the early 2000s. Um, and now, number five, I think I know this one. Nobody knows the Tony Rich Project. I think I that's, have no idea. I think that's nobody knows it but me. Um, but I'm not sure. I can't, I can't be sure. Uh, number four, here we go. Top five. Number four is ironic. By Don't you think? <laughs> mm -hmm. Number three, I do know this song, and I'm not ashamed of it. Because you loved me from Celine Dion. Absolutely, yeah. total classic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the aforementioned "Always Be My Baby." This was the first week at number two for Mariah Carey with this song. Uh, it had previously been; it was down one from number one the week prior. Okay. And the okay. number one song the week that Def Leppard's "Sling." Uh, was released the number one song on the top on the Hot 100 uh, is "The Crossroads" from Bone Thugs and Harmony. I've never even heard that song in my life. I don't think I have. I have. I remember the CD distinctly. The look Are of the you CD. Serious? Yeah, I remember because I had friends that had it in their cars, but I don't. I couldn't tell you what it sounded like or what it was. I've. I've. Ne I was just. I was out of the hip hop rap scene at that point in my life. Because it, to me, it wasn't fun anymore. It had gotten <laughs> it had gotten too real, <laughs> and so you know it was no I more. I love that you were in a in a rap. Oh man, you talking about you talking about Fresh Prince and MC Hammer, and you talking about uh, you know the original Sugar Hill Gang. You know, you ever been to someone's house and the food just ain't no good, and, but you know, and it had turned into you know straight out of Compton, and it's like I don't relate, and that's fine. It's fine that I don't relate. So I'm going to walk away, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and two, I did enjoy a rock vibe more than a, more than a rap vibe. Um, but as far as the number one song, um, uh, rock song around this time, because I can't get the top 100 rock from billboard because you have to have a, have to have a, um, subscription, um, on May. That's so elitist on billboards part. Like what right. the hell? Now they so for two weeks this this was the number one song "Where the River Flows" from Collective Soul. Okay, no. I don't think I've ever heard that either. Oh, you really? I don't think so. Now I'll tell you this: we've never talked Collective Soul really. No. Um, I'm not anti-Collective Soul. I don't have an opinion on Collective yeah. Soul. Do they sing that like that? Heaven that you let shine down. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, but they would follow that up with actually some pretty a pretty good sophomore album. Um, after that album, they'd, they'd follow that up. And this was off of that one. Where the river flowed. Um, but it was that, but they did sing that way, you know. Where the river flowed. Um, but most 90s bands did. Right. But <laughs> to here's, be fair, even ones we liked. But now here is something interesting. Van Halen uh, would top the charts two weeks later with Human Being, Humans Being. 
and and Metallica would get in there a few times that year. Um, what Metallica record got there? Oh, I, I don't know what record, but this is oh. this is was this this is songs. This is like the number one rock song, uh, "Until It Sleeps" and "Hero of the Day." Uh, okay, it was it was that Metallica. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right, that Metallica. <laughs> um, even Rush would get in there for three weeks in October. Damn! All right, uh, right, Rush from their sixteenth studio album. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I as I scroll over this, but then of course there's Soundgarden is in here, Stone Temple Pilots, um, Space Hog, uh, Everclear, Smashing Pumpkins, and um, and then Seven Mary Three with Cumbersome, which I will say is another one of the good things that come out of the '90s is that song, Cumbersome. There you go. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So it's it's just a you can see it's a different time. Um, you know, you mentioned, well, it's that Metallica, you know, it's, it's that Van Halen, but again, slaying this album charted the top of the charts at 14 as the number 14 album of, of, of whatever week, you know, whether it was their, where's the debut week or whenever, I, I don't really have that information in front of me. So surprising. But, uh, but uh, yeah, 14 seems kind of high in this time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, but if you think about it, I mean, Def Leppard was like one of the biggest bands Mm -hmm. to come out of the 80s that were still making music and not broken up in the 90s. Right. So, but still, 14 is uh, still shocking. But now they also had a year before, um, you have some, there are some great best of CDs in this world. Bon Jovi Crossroads, I think is one of the greatest of all time, as well (laughs) as The Vault. Yeah. Um, Def Leppard's best of album from 95 um, is just a fantastic, fantastic best of album. Um, but it, now it is a lot of pyromanian hysteria on there. Don't get me wrong. But, but you did have some new stuff. I mean, you had Two Steps Behind. Mm-hmm, you had When mm-hmm. Love and Hate Collide. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, and so so they were still in the in the rock and roll consciousness, but it just seems like the noise that was being made. And I'm sorry, on radio they weren't getting radio airtime with Sling. No, not at all. You know, because <laughs> I, I can tell you the rock station I listened to in in Lynchburg, Virginia, at the time, uh, they weren't playing. They were playing some new stuff, but they were. It was all some of the names I just mentioned: Seven Mary Three, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam. You know, all of those. All of that ilk. And um, 96.3 WROV, The Rock of Virginia. Oh, my Um, God. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like rock radio does that, though. Like, it's like if you've been a a band for, like, 15 years, it's like, okay, we can't really play your new music, but also we really don't want to play your old music because, like, it's over kind of vibe. Like, rock radio is so political now. It's I hate it. But it's been that way for a while. I, exactly. You know, and and it's just, and it, well, and now especially with the way radio is done, and and we don't want to get off. We want to get to the music soon, I know, but but especially with the way music is done now, radio is done now. I should say is you have just a it's very watered down corporate pencil pushing, you know what's hot right now. Let's just throw it out there and play it in heavy rotation for two hours. You're you may hear the same song three times from mm-hmm. a from a from a DJ who is not local. They're in a studio somewhere out in Dallas, um, and it's a and it's pre-recorded satellite feed that's piped up to you, and you might have some local drops come in here and there, but there are very few stations anymore that are local DJs 
live in studio, you know, the request lines are open, you know, the kind of like what made radio so good, you know, even once TV came along, you know, radio was still really special and radio, radio still has kind of a special romance to it that, that if you can, if you have local talent and, and you're doing your own programming, it is harder. It is more expensive in some ways, but man, it, you also end up with just something that more people are going to gravitate to. 100%. I mean, the main rock station out of Philadelphia, WMMR, they have like prided themselves on that. Like they have a live DJ on air 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Like that is their thing and they're proud of it. And I mean, even like you talk about the magic of radio, right? I mean, think about it. You could hear like let's use Def Leppard for example. You could hear Pour Some Sugar on Me 500,000 times. But if you're in the car and you're listening to a radio station and you're driving along and Pour Some Sugar on Me comes on, you're going to be like, "Oh yeah," and you're going <laughs> to crank it up. Like there's something right. special about it. Yes, it's it's something when they play quote unquote your song. Yep. <laughs> you know, on the station you're listening to, it it does. It it just brings an air of excitement that's like, yes, they're playing this, you know, because there's the, almost an anticipation of what's next, what's next, what's next, you know. And um and it, you don't even really get that with um with even satellite radio. Um you know, as as well done as some of the satellite radio stations on XM are, uh you know, you still get that whole very prepackaged you know, no, there's no, the, the, the magic's just gone. It's very, it's very much cleaned up and, and squeaky, you know, and you're just kind of like, okay, this is cool. This is good to ride down the road too. But, but there is something that's not there about like local radio. I remember when I was, a, when I was a young kid, like 10, 11 years old, I loved old, what we called oldies music back then. I realize now that the music of the eighties is as old or older <laughs> is older in some instances than the, than the music of, of the oldies, you know, the fifties and sixties that I was listening to as a kid, you know, 10 year old kid and 11 year old kid in the eighties. There was an oldie station in, in a, in a town about 30 minutes away from us. And this is rural South Georgia. You know, our, our local station was a country music station and every little town down there has a little radio station. Um, you know, so they can do their Friday night football games is really what it comes down to. Okay, makes sense. But so there's a station about 30 minutes away from us. It played oldies, and there was a there was a DJ that was his name was he called himself Big Bob, and man, you just thought Big Bob was just the coolest, just the best personality in the world. And then you saw him, and you're like, what a slob. Um, but it was still the magic of some dude sitting there. And I remember there was one morning I had to be up super early for some kind of club event or something. And so I called in and requested Big Bob play a song on a Saturday morning. And he's like, this is for you, Steve. Get your butt out of bed. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever that's happened in my life. You know, not realizing just what a lame station that would be over there, you know, if you went and actually saw it in person. And so and so with, with the advent of the 90s and everything, you get into, you're, you're getting more and more into the the cleaned up prepackaged kind of stuff. And what had hit was all the grunge. Um, the, 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 the metal of the eighties had fallen out of favor. And so an album like this, unless you were just a big fan probably did fall under the radar. 
Yep, it's true. I mean, even if you th- if you think about it, right? Like it's they called it shoe gazing, right? So it's like, oh yeah, you go to the you know you go to the show, you stare at your shoes. Like even guitar solos were like not a thing that people love to put mm. in songs. Like, and then you had what came out of England and like stuff like Oasis and Blur and stuff. And that was more almost in like the eighties vein in terms of like, we're going to have big choruses, big guitar hooks. So it's, it's crazy when you look at the nineties, like I hate the nineties, but like, it is so interesting when you look at the music that came out from, you know, different areas in that time. And then what totally didn't work and what, you know, was super creative, like stuff like this that no one's ever heard about. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into it. Uh, here's just a fun piece of trivia before we go. It's the only Def Leppard album that has not featured their recognizable font logo on the cover. I know. Isn't it kind of weird to look at it like it is, that? It is a very weird album looking when you think, when you consider the rest of Def Leppard having that so well known font and, you know, the way it was written and, here it's just it's almost um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. You know, it's like, oh, well, that seems a little anticlimactic with that font just coming up between the logo. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but it is it is slang. Here's something else that's really interesting to me. Um, well, let's let's listen first. Let's get into the music of it all, and uh, the, the the first track. There there are some bonus there are some deluxe editions of this album and stuff. We'll we'll touch on some of the bonus tracks and stuff. I'm sure, but. Um, but, but here's what, if you'd have picked this up in 1996, the first track you would have gotten to is, uh, called Truth. Well, I have no idea what happened with the first program I tried to use there, but I'm glad. I think we got it set on that side, on that end, didn't we, Kristen? Could you hear that okay that time? Kristen? You know what's so weird? What's that? After every time you play music, Mm -hmm. I have the same headphone issue where, like, I can't hear you for, like, 30 seconds after the music stops. Oh, okay. Well, that's a Skype deal. (laughs) Good old Skype. I also can't hear the music when you're playing it either. So Are I you serious? Oh yeah. no, I'm so. Oh. 
Well, that's no fun. I'm listening on my Mixler app. It's okay. Okay. Well, but still, I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> huh. We got to make we got to make some changes up in here. So, um I'll 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 work on that while we continue to talk. Uh this first this first track though is very electronic sounding. It's not I mean, it really it it's a different sound for these guys than than what we'd heard um in the prior really three studio albums that they put out. 100%. I feel like this is kind of um, like their answer to grunge. Like this is kind of the grungiest quote unquote song on the record, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it has that really like chuggy, thick guitar. It has like those like they're, they're still Def Leppard backing vocals, but they're they're also not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we've talked a lot about Def Leppard, too, with like or I guess I could say we have not talked that much about Def Leppard in terms of their lyrical prowess. <laughs> this is the record that they were like, screw it. We're going to focus on the meaning of the songs and what we're saying in the songs, which I appreciate. Right. So with the, with the, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to pull up some lyrics here because unfortunately um, I don't have them pulled up in front of me just yet. Because, I just love like the would I kiss your feet of clay? Right. I'm still alive, and so should I soak up the wave of compromise. Am I the victim of youth? Mm. Is this the truth? Yeah. I mean, are they the? Is this album the victim of youth? Because the youth definitely wasn't loving it. Well, I I'm I'm looking again. I've I actually did a little research, you know, which causes me to be more verbose than I should be. I love that you say actually. I love that you start <laughs> like I actually did some. Research. Well, usually I just. Usually I, I let you do it, you know, um, it, it's, it's, but he says, uh, this is, uh, Vivian Campbell, who was the guitarist at the time with him, or this was his first album with him as guitarist. Yep. Um, he said, we knew we couldn't make a typical Def Leppard album in the mid nineties. Grunge was very much happening and our stuff was anathema at the time. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's the idea they recognized what was going on. And one of the things that I dig here is that this does, and and I had this problem with some of the stuff I was listening to at the time because I was I was into a lot of, you know, being at a Christian college where they played Christian music all the time, and in some of the Christian rock that I'd been into, there was a bunch of changes being made. Like you know, that's one of the criticisms, one of the big criticisms I have of Christian music sometimes is they try to chase what is cool, um, you know, everywhere else, and just try to be and try to mimic that rather than like be an artist, you know, just do your own thing. And if people dig it, they dig it. If they don't, they don't, you know, but you, you have talents and you have abilities, use that. But there was a lot of this style of, you know, a lot of that style being mimicked. The alternative, the grunge was all being mimicked in in the music I was most familiar with at the time. And I was getting tired of it. I was really tired of it. And, um, and, but this is interesting. This, to me, it's an interesting way to start off because there is a very electronic, you know what it almost sounds like? And I don't want to be, I don't want to get too, um, I don't want to be overly critical or, or, st- you know, I don't want to get out over my skis and make you mad, but this has a very nine inch nails sound to it to me. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and it's just, um, it, it, it is, it's definitely a sign that they recognize. I don't think it's so much they were trying to change with the times, but they recognized the times they were in, you know? Yeah. And I think, like I said, it's kind of like, all right, well, this is what we're in. So what is, how does Def Leppard sound 
with all of this. Because you also have to remember too, slang came out when computers and technology started to like rear its head That's within true. the music world. Yeah. So it's like you didn't ha- you could literally do all this stuff on a computer. You didn't have to be in this room with like, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars of equipment. So that's also playing a role in this too, where it's like, all right, well, what can we do on this record? Like there's a lot of experimentation on here and it shows and I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the next track. It's Turn to Dust. And Kristen won't be able to hear it, but it's coming through at least on the recording. Something, something else that was kind of going on in this era was the use of a lot of world instruments. Uh, other, other, you know, you, you have what sounds like a sitar in here. You have uh, some various acoustical things going on at the beginning of this. But at the same time, uh, it's very much a, um, it's a, it, it very much the lyrics of it all, um, the lyrics of this song are very much a, almost a a recognition of of mortality but what's what's really interesting to me about this track is as you get behind what they're saying what you're hearing is the the classic sound of the harmonies and the vocals coming together of Def Leppard 100% it has that like that nice like full big backing vocal that we're all used to that we all really like um I love this song because, I mean, like, in a lot of Def Leppard songs, when you look at, like, writing credits and stuff, and it usually is all five members, um, or at least four of the five. Sometimes Rick Allen's not necessarily on there. But um, this song is Phil Collins. That's it. Like, this is Phil Collins' mm-hmm. song. And you can even hear, like, if you know what Phil's voice sounds like, you can also hear him super prominent in the vocal mix, too, in those backing vocals. Like, you hear Phil, and you're like, yep, okay, there he is. <laughs> yeah, it it's it, it definitely... Who... I, I know that Mutt Lang didn't produce this. No. Um, who did produce this? Do we know? Do we have a... I don't have a name on the producer of this, so... It might have just been them. It might have been them and, like, their manager, maybe? Like, Pete Woodruff, maybe? Yeah, Pete Woodruff was... Yeah, he... He produced, engineered, and mixed. So in Def, and well, you're and you're dead on. Uh, Def Leppard is listed as producer. 
Um, yeah, because after Adrenalize, they started to kind of produce their own stuff. Yeah. And I mean, even like on Euphoria, Mutt Lang produces one track and that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like I say, to me, this, this is a very interesting... You, you start out with the song, a very short song, you know, that's truth, question mark, truth. Um, and then that leads into this, you know, very um, international feeling, worldly feeling, you know, with, with the different acoustic uh, instruments, string instruments that sound, you know, very sitarish and all this other stuff. Going into this almost a contemplation of, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm gone, I've turned to dust. You know, you've you've passed your sentence. You've taken all you want from me. And now you're setting me off to the side. It really, and I don't want to read too. I don't know if I'm reading too much in the lyrics or not. But you know, the 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 literature major in me, the English major in me, looks at this poetry and says, "This is a response to the time that they're in." I'm sure it was. I mean, I've read a lot of um, interviews with Joe, kind of like reflecting back on this record, and he says, like. And almost in every interview, like, this was the first record that they dealt with, like, births, deaths, divorces, like, and kind of experienced the world around them as opposed to, you know, being these rock stars that just kind of, like, lead this life, you know, just a privilege and all this stuff. This, the world finally kind of had its way with them. So mm-hmm. I don't think you're reading too much into it. Well, one of the things, too, that is good, though, is, like, it's almost like they're on this journey together. They've gone through all this stuff together. Um I know that I think I read one time where Joe Elliott said we could break up in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but but given all they went through, you know, Rick Allen's wreck, the death of Steve Clark, all this stuff that they went through as a group, as friends, as a band, you don't have, and maybe you do, maybe, you're, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but as far as I know, you don't have the audio of two guys up on stage threatening to kick each other's butts once they're all done here like you do with the Eagles. I was just going to say, no, this isn't the Eagles. You know, so you, you don't, you don't, you have, you have a crew that has stayed together. You know, you don't, you don't seem to have the ego of even a Neil Sean who, you know, of Journey, who, who tends to, I could just see where his personality would be very abrasive and push people out. And hence Steve Perry's not there, you know, even though he's still got some decent pipes on him and that sort of thing. It, you know, you don't have the, you don't even have the Chicago deal with people like Peter Cetera coming in and going out, you know, that kind of stuff. You have a group of guys who are friends who have hung together and, and are going, are experiencing this era of music together. And this seems to be a collective kind of discussion of these things. Yeah, like, I've always gotten from Def Leppard that there's really no, like, me personality. Like, there's no one that's like, well, me, 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 me. Like, it's very much like a collective unit. Like, I'm pretty sure that, like, if they don't all agree on something, they don't do they do not do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure that they have that sort of, you know, dynamic within their band, which you do not see, like, hardly at all no. in any band. Right. I mean, like, like, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, even when you get to, you, you get to some of the greats out there, there's still, I don't know, like, there's very few groups that have stood the test of time. I mean, not even the Beatles stuck together. Not that they were mad at each other necessarily, but it's like, you know, dang, they, and they're all the greatest group of all time, you know, that sort of thing. So, <laughs> yep. So anyhow, um, but now here's the thing, Kristen. This album is is an interesting one for me because on this album 
this next song is, is one that back in the, the the days of late night big honking you know Friday night shows um, with Kristen would be in the chat like she's like you got to play Slang by Def Leppard <laughs> and so I have no chill so when this when when I hear this next song the title track of the album Slang I'm immediately taken to those days of the big honking show you oh, know the, those those that era where Rock Out Loud was born, basically, and you know, and, and a friendship was born, um, and and so. <laughs> Cue the documentary beginning. That's right. Cue the behind the music. So. <laughs> All right, this is Sling. So, of course, from the group that brings us, you know, really the, the party anthems that are uh, Let's Get Rocked, uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me, you know, all these different things. Here comes, you know, th- th- I feel like they've moved out of their... Co- In two songs, they're like, all right, we're done with the contemplating, slang with me. Um, yes. You know, they get, they, they find in this in this really... Uh, it, it is a different sound for them. It is. It is. You know, you you very percussion driven. He's 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 almost rapping rather than singing. You know, um, but it's that it is. It's very much like well, here's the Def Leppard from those arena shows. Hundred percent. This is such like an old school kind of throwback vibe. Obviously, with lots of you know, new modern you know instrumentation and all that sort of stuff. But like. I want to hear this song live so bad. I've never heard it. <laughs> like, it's just so much fun. And also, I mean, how, like, you know, speaking from, you know, the gal perspective here, like, how can you not love a song that has a lyric like, it's my obsession to be your addiction. It's my addiction to be your obsession. Love it. Mi pasión, mi obsesión, quiero que este veras conmigo. There you go. <laughs> Unos, dos, tres, cuatro, sling with me. <laughs> But yeah, I, this, like when, when you hear this, it it's like, here's the thing, like, this is the kind of thing that makes me wish I'd have been following this music more closely in the mid nineties, because I would have seen a new Def Leppard album. I would have picked it. I know exactly where I'd have gotten it from too. I would have gotten it from Blockbuster Music in the mall. Um, y'all remember <laughs> Block, y'all remember Blockbuster Music? Uh, you could actually take, this is how I learned to open CDs. Um, oh. because what they would do is, you know how CDs all had that stupid piece of, sticker uh-huh. across the top and it was always like how do i peel this off 
they would actually, you could listen to the CDs before you bought them. They're anything. They had a listening station and they, you would take the CD to them and they would pop the, the bottom tab ever so carefully and flip it up. And so when I saw them do it, I'm like, huh. And so I would, whenever I'd buy a CD, get that thing home, I'd pop that bottom tab and flip it up, not breaking it, mind you, on the hinge. And, uh, and then you were just able to peel that thing off a lot more easy. You had a lot more surface area to, to grab and peel that sticker off at the top and it would come off clean. Interesting. Yeah. So, but I would have listened to this and listened to those first two songs and gotten through them and like, oh, wow, they're kind of, what is going on? And then this would hit. And you're like, there they are. <laughs> they're my boys. They're back. <laughs> they're, I don't know if I agree with the morality here, but I love the song. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> but it, and I mean, we're going to talk about this, you know, in other songs too, but like another, like a very bass heavy song as yes, well. Like you yes. have that great groove and bass. Mm -hmm. Oh, so nice. Cause I mean, that's not something that's necessarily featured a ton in pre slang records, but post slang, there's a lot of bass can, in those records. And can I say this because I, and, and I don't maybe again, it's one of those things where maybe I'm speaking out of school. I don't know. But I do feel like, given a fair shake with radio airtime, in 1996, you dropped the needle on slang. You know, I, I feel like it stacks up, and I think people would have been more prone to, to gravitate toward it than some of the other stuff that they were gravitating toward. I think it would have been right up there with the, what Collective Soul was putting out and what Metallica was putting out, and Van Halen especially, those groups, you know. But I do think that this, given the proper shake that this would have had, I think, though, that because Def Leppard falls in a category that somehow Metallica and Van Halen, I don't know how Van Halen doesn't fall in the same category as Def Leppard with people. Um, <laughs> you know, but I just feel like people immediately wrote them off as a gimmicky little band from the 80s. Yep. And, and but I think if you would have dropped this out as a, you know, if, if this would have gotten fair shake on radio, I think you would have seen this song climb the charts. I mean, it's certainly better than literally anything the Gin Blossoms ever put out. So I 100% agree with you there. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to give you two records. We're not going to tell you who's on either. You tell me what the better song is. Like, Till I Hear It From You or Slang. Listen, it, exactly. Thank you so much because I'm telling you, this, I, it really, I, I give the 90s such a, we give it such a hard time. But truly, 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 for me, it's that end of 95 through, you know, 2000 now. Um, that It's just so... <laughs> <laughs> until today. <laughs> right, until this very moment. Um, and we'll see how tomorrow works out. But by and large, it, it, it was just this, this, I don't know, you know, good Lord. Deep Blue something, something you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, oh. come on. God. Got nothing on slang. No. You know, and as or much anything on this record. Hey, and as much as I love friends, I'll be there for you. Nothing on slang. No. And and it's just it's this thing of I'm looking at it, I'm like, I just feel like and I could be wrong. And there may be some some record execs listening or some radio people from back in the day listening who will say, you know what, we did give this the fair shake and people didn't want it. Okay, fine. But Please I, email in. If you I, yeah. are, email in. Yeah, because I just can't imagine. I can't imagine this not stacking up against um, against 
a cumber, even cumbersome. I love cumbersome, you know, but I can't imagine it not stacking up against Humans Being from Van Halen or tripping on a hole in a paper heart by Stone Temple Pilots. Not dogging on the Temple Pilots, just saying, you know. <laughs> I just can't imagine that. And and so, yeah, I, I, I do think that, I think especially people my age, there was kind of a desire in a lot of us to be like, yeah, we could use a little bit of joy right now, you know. And, and instead, what did we get? You know, eventually they're playing... Of course, this would be a year or two later, but I mean, eventually Eagle Eye Cherries like stay tonight. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh God. Would someone just kill me now while I'm listening to this thing? It's just like a, scour- a scourge of one hit wonders. Like it, it's one it hit wonders really everywhere. Was. It really was, you know? And, and so, then like, you know, Steve's favorite band Creed came along and they had a few sustained hits. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I see what you did there and I'm just going to let it slide. Because I will not deny that I do love Crete. Uh, Play the next song. <laughs> and here we go. Oh, this, though, I, before we get, I'm, I do want to do a little preamble here. This is your classic leopard ballad. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, so this is All I Want Is Everything. That's all. So I, I'm, I'm interested uh, to find out here, uh, Chris, and I'm interested to find out exactly where in where in your mind amongst the various and sundry Def Leppard ballads this one ranks. Oh, that is a good question. Let's I mean, it's not it's not up there with like hysteria and love and affection. Right. Um, so it's not that. Um, I would say I personally, Steve, this might be sacrilege to you. Mm-hmm. I personally like this song better than Have You We Ever Needed Someone So Bad. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I would say like, if we were going to, if this was like one of those like memes where it's like God tier, like, you know, you give your tears, I would yeah. say like hysteria and love and affection are like God tier. Mm -hmm. um, I would say this is like second tier with like too late for love. Okay. Wow. All right. I love this song. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't think I put it, uh, put it up as, as high as you do. Um, but I do like it and it is, it's, this album is really just a unique album amongst amongst the 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 discography of of Def Leppard, especially once you get out of High and Dry into Pyromania, you know, and the sound that they became that became so associated with them um, through Adrenalize uh, for those last three albums. This is the 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 percussions are very upfront, um, more upfront than you would think they'd be, at least in the mix that I'm listening to here. On my end, and um, but it it just drives a nice slow groove, you know, that they've got going, and and it is it feels the lyrics, you know, are very much classic Joe Elliott, you know, um, hard to hold your head up when you're kneeling down to pray, and talking don't come easy now when words get in the way, um, you know, and and basically it's like I just want everything. Is that too much? I just love that lyric of all I have are yesterdays, tomorrow never comes. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that freaking lyric. Like, you know what's funny, too? Okay, because, like, 1996, like, okay, not to make people feel, like, old, um, or if anyone is younger than me, be like, wow, she's really old. But in 1996, I was six years old, okay? My gosh. So my first experience with this song, okay, because I was, like, I got all like the old Def Leppard first. So I had hysteria, pyromania, all that. Um, the first time I ever heard this song was uh, in the Def Leppard behind the music. It literally opens up with the guitar intro to All I Want Is Everything. Mm. And it was driving me crazy because I was like, what song is this? Like, this is not a song that I've heard before. And then when I got this record eventually, I was like, oh my God, this is the song. This is the song with that guitar part. <laughs> See? So thank you behind the music. Yeah. Those are fun moments. Those are like, that's one of the things I do dig about, um, about music discovery or even like movie or television discovery. Like there'll be this little snippet of something over here and it'll always kind of nag you a little bit. And then that moment comes when you discover the fullness of it. And it's like, I've been chasing this dragon for, you know, X amount of years, X amount of months, X amount of what, you know. And um, th that's so fun to associate that with, like, I saw the behind the music and I wanted to know what it was. Yep. I mean, like, kind of going off track a little bit here. But, Steve, have you seen the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower? I have not. Okay, well, uh, this isn't really a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's been out for years. But they're so they're driving in a tunnel and they're listening to this song on the radio that they're obsessed with. It's David Bowie's Heroes. But this movie is set in, I believe, the eighties, eighties or nineties. Uh, I think eighties. Um, and then, like at the end of the movie, like it comes back around and, she, and they call it the tunnel song. And the the girl character goes, "I found the tunnel song." And like she finally finds the song after years of like not knowing the name of it, so that's just my little aside. But it's like yeah, like it is that magical moment where you're like, I've been searching for this song for so long, and I finally found it. Oh, I mean, like there's so many things like that, and I don't want to get off on this tangent, but I mean that's just like 
even with like little TV shows, when I was a little kid and we'd go down to my grandmother's house and there'd be this weird station that she had from some other, you know, cause she lived across the state from us. And so her local TV was different than ours. And I just remember as a kid, I'm like, I remember seeing this show with these big gold robots and, and this big, it was, it was Japanese. And, and that's all I remember. And I remember talking to a kid about it some years later. I'm like, did you ever see that? He's like, yeah, what was that? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and so then when I'm a grown up, someone says, oh, that was Space Giants. And that robot's name was Goldar. I'm like, that's exactly right. And like all the pieces kind of come together and coerce. I'm like, that's great. Oh, and so best. it's it's just it's those moments in life that are almost like make life worth living sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I will say about kind of getting back to to all I was. Please everything. do, because I had no idea how to get back. I was like, yeah. I have, I've dug myself a hole that I don't know how to get out of. Here. So not my favorite ballad on the record. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll get to it. We sure will. Uh, but not before we work it out. Oh! <laughs> This is one of the greatest make makeup songs of all time. It's like the greatest makeup song. Well, we get to work it out after <laughs> after all this time. You know, this is like I just I I really like this this idea that's that's being put out here. It's like, look, you you know, you take all this for granted. Um, you don't seem to know where you belong, but it's fine because we have a little we have a little time and we get to work this out. We get to work it out. Not like we have to work it out. It's like. This we, is, get to, we get the privilege of working right, it out. Right, right. We get the joy of working it out. Thank you, so, Vivian Campbell. Yeah. This is, a, this is a Vivian song. It is. I noticed that here. Because uh, I'm, I'm, Kristen, I'm doing the best I can on this one. I've pulled up lyrics and everything. I love it so much, Steve. <laughs> can I just say, so when I was looking at, you know, different stuff a few weeks ago, when we were initially supposed to do this, I almost had like, a panic attack because I was like, if you Google or if you go on YouTube and you type in like Def Leppard, work it out. Like the first video that comes up is a video I've literally never seen before. And it's like a live video. And I'm like, um, 
am I living in a Mandela effect? Is this a parallel universe? This is not the video that I know of Work It Out. Like, I literally got my huh. freaking um, – the the vault dvds mm -hmm. and like all that i put it in i was like okay i'm not in a parallel universe like the matrix didn't i didn't get into the matrix here this is the video i'm familiar with craziness but i love it because there's a photo booth and all like you know it's very fun also joe elliott has literally never looked better than in this music video i'm just saying <laughs> he's got some good hair in that in the video he does. And I mean, you know, to quote, you know, Wayne from Wayne's World, but, you know, tweak it a little bit. He's a babe. He's a I babe. Mean, yeah. <laughs> he's a babe. I can't handle it. He's a total babe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> were you on the Def Leppard fan page, YouTube? Is that what you got that from? Yeah. Yeah. I see that there. That's I'm literally like, I have never seen this music video in my entire life. And it makes me feel like a bad fan. <laughs> Well, is it Def Leppard or is it a Def Leppard tribute band doing doing like something? Or is it just someone who's taken different footage and just edited it together? No, it's a Def Leppard video. Wow. I think it's pretty sure it's them. Unless someone hacked the Def Leppard YouTube account. Well, now, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the, the, the Teja Def Leppard fan page. Oh, I just went on YouTube and typed in Def Leppard, work it out. And like the first video that comes up, is work it out official music video and if it's so official why have i never seen it in my entire life that's all i'm saying yeah this is working out official this is the official music i'm, I'm there it says def leppard <laughs> working out official music video and it's like them doing sound checked in an empty arena or something yeah it's yeah. weird <laughs> huh i want my photo booth dang it yeah that's crazy all right well back to the this song th this th this song feels so mid nineties to me. Um, Does it? It's very mid nineties rock. There's this whole this the one thing I do notice, and especially as I've listened through it again and again, is that they really, I mean, when we did our listen through to the self titled album a couple of years back. Yep. Um, gosh, that's been over four years ago now because I, I was still in Hazelhurst when that came out. Um, you know, there was so much about that album that's like, yes, this is Def Leppard. And, and it seemed like such a, a a tribute to every sound that they had had throughout the years. And, you know, from the early days through the big walls of sound, you know, the Star Wars of, of rock albums and all this other stuff. Um, and this very much to me is like, like you said, there was new technology to work with. There was new ways of mixing. There was new digital means of, of getting stuff laid down, tracks laid down and everything. But they this does have a much more electrical vibe to it that was that was present in a lot of industrial doesn't sound it's not the right word, I guess, and I'm looking for, but it, it very electrical sound that a lot of music a rock music had at this time. Um but it it's done so it's done very well because it's almost like they're like, let's play with the new toys that we have. Yeah. And, and see and see what we can do. Here's here's how pros use this stuff, you know. <laughs> Let me show you how it's done, boys. But, but because they're not auto tuning, or they're not, you know, they're not doing any of those. They're not doing any tricks. They're just using the tools, if that yep. makes sense. 
they're using it to their like to how it's supposed to be used, right. not to you know mask anything. Right. But like I find it interesting too. Like I know Carissa mentioned it in the chat that like she didn't like Joe's voice on a previous song. Like I kind of enjoy on this album. You're, I feel like we're almost hearing Joe sing in what like his natural voice is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like his vocals on working out, like it's very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like he's not you know stretching for notes or anything. It's very interesting. And like to me, that's what makes it the most 90s because like the vocals are just so stripped back and, you know, not, I, I don't, I want to say like an afterthought, but like mm-hmm. they're obviously not, but like vocals are so at the forefront of every Def Leppard record before yep. this. Yep. Yep. And here I feel like it's all about the music and the lyrics versus what it's sounding like vocally. It, it, it is. I agree. I agree with that 100 percent. And, you know, we do see the glimpses, like we said in in uh, in 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 Truth to Dust, you do get a glimpse of those tight Def Leppard harmonies and, and them just kind of, you know, like we're still here. Don't you worry. But we're going to play a little differently this time. We're going to we're going to have some different types of fun on this album. And, you know, so Joe is not pushing, you know, the 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 high notes, the the um you know the the what we what we'd come to deal because it does seem a lot of these songs even with something like working out as 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 pounding as it is and as driving as it is and it is a driving song it, it, there's still a lot of introspection to it you know yes. outside of slang we really have had a very introspective album yep absolutely it is not like this isn't like i said kind of in the beginning like this isn't you know the party rock like the anthemic record like right. that's not what this is and like an interview i was watching with joe he said he was like you know some people think that this record's the greatest thing we ever did some people think it's absolute garbage like this is one of those records that that's extremely polarizing like there's really not many people that fall in the middle on this record yeah, and that's interesting because i don't feel like and in, and in, in, it's all subjective you know like none of it is you it's all opinion based on on re- reactions and reviews to these things, but I don't know that this is as big a departure from their sound as um, as, as their earlier stuff, you know, as Pie Romania was from like High and Dry. That's a that's a good point, and a point that often gets overlooked because I mean, people were saying that Def Leppard was the ne- second coming of ACDC with mm-hmm. High and Dry. Hmm. And then they come up with Pyromania, which, like, metal, like, hardcore, like, metal heads will tell you Def Leppard's last good album was High and Dry. Well, I've, I've told you before, the radio show I listen to in the mornings, one of the one of the hosts on that show, he's whenever Def Leppard gets brought up, he's like, they didn't do anything good after High and Dry. Yep, like, that's, <laughs> pe- people are like, no, like, we don't need that polished Star Wars for the ears right. music. We don't need it. <laughs> Yeah, but there's so many people like me who it's that polished Star Wars music for the ears. That's what brought me into Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm even different in as much as what really brought me into Def Leppard was Adrenalize. Was right, yeah, man, what, that's crazy, right? Well, I mean, it's look, it's it's a it's a product of my upbringing and what we were and we're not allowed to listen to. Yep. And getting in the car with a friend who had the single of Let's Get Rocked and we would put it on and just go riding the back roads of, of South Georgia, you know, jamming to Let's Get. And I'm like, this is it. This is what life is all about. You know, it's never going to get better than this. 
this is my song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for real. And so, you know, so it's a song that's very near and dear to my heart. But then that opens up the doors to all of these other things. It's like, well, of course I like um, Pour Some Sugar on Me. Of course, of course I like Rock of Ages. You know, of course I like Hysteria. Of course this is, of course this is the kind of music that I enjoy. You know, and so for me, getting in, get picking up on through the night and high and dry was just fun discovery of, oh, this is this is where it started. Mm-hmm. You know, and what a fun way to kind of watch that progression and to see the just, I mean, the left turn. But it was, I'm sorry, it was a left turn between high and dry and pyromania. 100 percent. It and, was. And I don't think that this this album deviates from from the sound of those prior three as much as Pyromania did from Hydra. Wow. I don't know if I agree with that. OK. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And I appreciate you calling out the high and dry Pyromania uh, departure because mm-hmm. it definitely is. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Kristen, you know what? You've I've learned a lot on this show. So. I know. I mean, we've only been doing this for like how many years? So. It's been a while. Um, oh God! It's just like, uh, so moving on. Moving on here from working out. We're we're going to after you work out, you got to take a breath, and so we're going to breathe a sigh. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a jam. It's a bop. It is. Kristen, I mean, look, it, I don't know that it classifies as ballad, <laughs> but this is one of my favorite songs on the album. It's a beautiful, heartfelt song. I, I, I love the groove of it. I love the... I love the feel. I love they all come in and you've got you've got the Def Leppard sound in this. This is where I'm saying, like, I don't think this song this album is as much a departure as, as the prior. But because of because of something like this track right here. Um, but I mean, because you've got you've got the vocals are there with what we're used to with his vocals. It's it's uh like you said, it's this heartfelt kind of thing, but it also has this groove to it, you know, like this is a back porch summer night, you know, kind of late into the evening, everything winding down, just great little groove. I yep. love this song. And I feel like it almost has a little like R&B, like that, mm-hmm. like 
that beat is very like 90s R&B yes. that it has going on. Yep. Um, my tie to this this song, which is kind of funny, is um, when I was on the Def Leppard message board as a child, um, my little signature on there was, I die a little for a long lost sweet caress. Nice. <laughs> and my screen name was Misty Love. Yeah. <laughs> I know, which is which is from High and Dry. It's fine. Oh, but... <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. Like I, if you so like if you look really hard on the Def Leppard, um, like archives or whatever, like my review for my first ever Def Leppard show is on there, and it's like embarrassing. <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. Oh my god! But yeah, that was my. I love the song, and that was my. Uh, that was my signature. <laughs> oh, wonderful. That's fantastic. I always have some kind of crazy stuff I pull out. But you know, but you know what though? Thank you for sharing because we all have stuff like that, you know, in some form or another. We we see the difference is is we didn't all grow up with the internet. Yeah. So you know, some of our stuff is tucked away in notebooks somewhere, and I don't know why it's not burned to a crisp at this point. I I don't know why I'm hanging why I hang on to it. You know. So the mind's just out there for everybody to see. Right. Right. <laughs> So, um, but I, but I do, I, I think, I mean, this is up there as far as like one of my favorite tracks on the album. It really, truly is. Um, just because of the groove of it all. And I think like this song, like, like you said, like maybe not necessarily a ballad, but like, I feel like this is a song that kind of can, you know, fall into that category mm -hmm. a little bit and is like totally forgotten about. Like if you were to tell me like, okay, well, what's, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear breathe a sigh or do you want to hear two steps behind? I'd be like, breathe a sigh all day, every yeah, day. Yeah. I, Hey, I absolutely 100% agree with that. <laughs> For real. I, I truly, truly do. They're, like this is, this is a go-to this is a go-to song um, for me as far as just like for a good chill, nice song to have going with a good groove to it. And this is a song like, I feel like this song has like an emotion to it that we don't see on Def Leppard records. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like this is like a, a song of like yearning. Like, I mean, I like you have the lyric or the verse, like I more than long for your affection. You tell me now that ain't so not even gentle persuasion is ever going to let me go. Hmm. Like, I feel like they just tap into a vibe and an emotion on this song that is rare for them, mm -hmm. which is why I love it. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what, yeah, it's definitely, well, it, it, we've, we've mentioned the word introspective. We've mentioned, you know, like we, we've talked about some of these things, you know, that there is definitely a self-awareness on this album that, that I don't know is as obvious on, on their prior work. Um, and, and so to, to come to this song, you know, yeah, though though their prior ballads or the prior stuff would really hit kind of the right chord, you know, for, so to speak, uh, with someone, if they're feeling like, I'm sorry, ever needed someone so bad, like that always hit the right chord with me back in those days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but this, this just to me, because of the, it just, it has a more personal, intimate feel. And, you know, the lyrics are more personal and more intimate. And and so I think that that just makes it that much more. You get something from this that you don't, you know, you don't get the, you don't get the Bruce storytelling aspect, you mm -hmm. know, or the Bob Seger storytelling aspect, but you definitely get like, 
here's a little bit of our heart. Here's a little bit of where we're at right now. Yes. You know, and, and I think that this is a perfect example of that. So um, we'll move on to Deliver Me. Yeah. I'm tired of feeling hateful. I'm tired of I can't breathe. So tired I would be grateful if you close the door when you leave. <laughs> That's me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Def Leppard's grunge song. It is. It's uh, definitely that vibe. I mean, is right? It's just like it. It's. I mean, right down to like the. Kristen, these words are right up your alley. I'm tied to the sky as you claw my eyes and wait for the flood. I swim in blood. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> or should I say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's my question for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. So when you were doing your research, yeah. do you know the little fun factoid about this song? I, I don't know any factoids about this song, unfortunately. I didn't do that deeper research, apparently. Okay, well. <laughs> so, on the Def Leppard Deluxe version, or mm-hmm. Slang Deluxe version, mm-hmm. um, Joe breaks down like song by song like they all kind of do but joe like goes in depth on each song Mm. um this song if you notice like if you pull up the lyrics and you look at like the first three verses versus the end like the last verses of the song Mm -hmm. they're completely different and the reason why is because joe could not finish this song oh so he literally gave the lyrics to phil and said can you do something with these and so Phil wrote the last, like, four, four I think it's four verses um, of the song. And if you listen to them, like, the lyrical content is extremely different in both halves of the song. So we go from, I'm tied to the skies, you claw my eyes, to, hey, you, the voice of reason, are you listening to me? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's say goodbye because I don't need. I close my eyes, embrace the wave, abandon me, save the day. That I won't see deliver me. From there you go. from embrace me, deliver me. He goes to abandon. Yeah, mm. I didn't know that. I I do see that they're both credited with the with the writing of this song. Um, I, I'm interested. You know, here's the thing, and I don't know, and, and this is where I don't know enough about all the all the different album releases and everything. There is a lot of bonus content for this album. Um, yeah. There is. There's a there we'll 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 hit the move with me slowly later. The it was oh, a, the yes! Japan it's a Japanese bonus track. Um but then you have like a limited edition bonus disc from that's acoustic in Singapore that have 
that has Armageddon it two steps behind from the inside animal when love and hate collide and pour some sugar on me. And then you have the 2014 deluxe edition, um, with some different, different stuff on there, you know, B sides and that sort of thing. Um, then you have one that's a second disc from the 2014 bonus deluxe edition that has like some rough mixes and some demo versions and stuff of some songs. And then you have the iTunes bonus tracks from 2014 <laughs> with the same thing, you know, and it's just like, Oh my Lanta. Um, did, did was I know that was it was it 2014 when they finally got their stuff out there on I digital? So yes. Um, and so did did all of their albums get this kind of treatment? So here's the thing. So when you were mentioning that, I was gonna say like honestly, I don't think that. I mean, at least in like the lexicon of bands that I really dig, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think that there's another band in my wheelhouse that does these re-releases as well as Def Leppard does. Mm -hmm. Because like when they did the re-release of Hysteria and the Hysteria box set came out, like yeah. there was all kinds of like new rare stuff on that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you think about it too, like think about the kind of band Def Leppard is. They're not a band that, you know, are going in the studio and six months later coming out with a record. Right. Like, there's definitely a ton of stuff left on the cutting room floor from all of these records. So I love, and I love that they record all of it, or at very least, like, rough, mm -hmm. like a rough mix. And, like, speaking of rough mixes, like, let me tell you, I am still waiting so not patiently for um, the, like, super 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 deep cut called candy in your hands to make its way onto one of these releases and it never has so all i have is like this awful like really like tinny recording that someone did for me what is what is this you're talking about so candy in your hands is a song that rick savage sings and like i mean i make no bones about it <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's my man i love him so much after john bon jovi he was like my next love um and he sings a song and it's so like cheesy like it's because it's i don't know it's just very very cheesy and like literally like the chorus of the song is like because when you hold me i'm candy in your hands mm. and i'm like it's just so cute and i <laughs> and like i want the non tinny version like i don't even know if that is on youtube like that's how deep that was for a while like i literally had to trade somebody a i taped hi hi the internet yes <laughs> in the 90s so i taped my copy of the tour managers video which, mm. is, which is another like you know thing that no one's supposed to have and definitely a nine-year-old should not be watching it um but i made a copy of that and gave it to someone so that they could send me a copy of candy in your hands now look according to sea of love on youtube <laughs> who has who has six subscribers <laughs> what i'm about to play so fire up your mixer since you can't hear through the stupid Skype. Yes! <laughs> what I'm apparently about to play is a remastered version of the unreleased song Candy in Your Hands by Rick Savage of Def Leppard. The song was almost a B-side for their album Euphoria, but was never officially released. Now, Sea of Love wants you to know that Sea of Love does not own nor claim to and do not make <laughs> any money from YouTube for this video. Enjoy. So here we go.
Got a lot of high end on that. Oh, wait a minute. I got to do this. Got a lot of high end on that one there, Kristen. I know. Like, I, it's a little bit better than the version I have, but it's essentially the same version I have. Right, right. Well, listen, this is, this claims to have been remastered. I don't know how. I, I don't know how I Sea of Love. Sea would, of Love. I think Sea of Love is claiming that it's remastered. I don't know that it is. It's definitely not from a Def Leppard one. Right. I don't know how Sea of Love got that remastered, but by God, way to go, Sea of Love, with your 900 subscribers. Which, what am I talking about? Like, we don't even have 200 subscribers over on the over on the Geek Out Loud YouTube. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this. I was just looking. I want to back to what I, the original point was. Even on the, like, I'm using Amazon Music to play this stuff through uh, tonight because my, what it, my other software didn't work right, apparently. Um, 30 tracks, uh, uh, you know, in the version that you can get from Amazon Music. Um, you know, they do have the move with me slowly, but then they go to the quote-unquote original version of, of Truth and Good Night. First draft stuff, uh, rough mixes and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's just a lot there, a lot to work with, with old slang. And so here's the thing though. And, and I think that this is when I, I guess, cause you mentioned like all the stuff they did for the hysteria re-release and everything. I appreciate the fact that they recognize, you know what? All our fans already have these albums and you can call it a money grab if you want. But I look at it as the artist saying, we want to give you something extra to buy this again. We don't want you to get stuck with the same thing you've had, just in different packaging. Agreed. And it's not for the casual fan, but mm -hmm. for, you know, us crazy people, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I need to hear all 18 versions of truth. Well, look, I'll equate it to Star Wars from Lucasfilm. Every release that Lucasfilm did of the Star Wars movies, there was there was something different about the release, not just in the way that the movie was presented, but like, you know, when you got the DVDs, there were certain extras on there. And then when the Blu-rays came out, there were this many more extras on there, you know, that had never been before. And every time they even put out a VHS version, you know, there'd be something different, especially later on as you got into the prequel era, you know, the original trilogy, you had your special edition, and then you had them released again with like, uh, special documentaries about episode two that would be coming out later on, you know, and it was just like George Lucas and Lucasfilm when it was independent made sure like, we're not just fleecing the fans here. We want to actually give them content for, for their money. And, and I appreciate it when people do that. Hell yeah. You know, that, that, that matters. Now Disney hadn't done that crap, but that's none <laughs> of my business. Um, <laughs> but I digress. But I digress deeply digress so um yeah uh let me make sure i'm up here for deliver no we did deliver me um gift of now we're doing gift of flesh Yeah. 
Kristen, where do you stand on Gift of Flesh? You know what it kind of reminds me of? Kind of reminds me a little bit of Run Riot from Hysteria. Mm -hmm. In that, like, you know, it's kind of like an up, like, the music is super, super, like, upbeat, fast, quick. Um, And, like, there's just something missing. Like, it's not, like, this definitely is not one of my favorite songs. But I do like the vibe overall of the song. Yeah. But it's definitely on my lower half of favorites on this record. I, I agree. I agree. There's just something about it. And and I don't know, again, we've had a few technical things tonight go on because of the way the gear is set up here, at, the hardware set up here at the house. Um, so I don't know if it's just, you know, because of some of the limitations of hardware that I'm hearing a weird mix in my head. But the vocals are so buried. They um, are, 100%. In, 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 in what I heard that you, I mean, like, it goes beyond not being able to understand it. Uh, it, it just goes to not, to barely being able to hear it over everything. But, um, and so that causes me, because one of the things I love about Def Leppard are the vocals. Yeah. And so, so to, to have those buried kind of, kind of is disappointing. But this is, it is a very driving song. And, and I, again, I think it's another one that very much sounds like a product of this time. Um, you know, as much as like, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also feel like it, it's that with a little bit of the nineties fla- flavor thrown in, um, in some ways, Dave, it almost sounds like Dave Grohl came in and said, let me produce this one for you guys. Um, I can see that. But, I can see that. But grown up Dave Grohl, not, yeah. <laughs> you know, not like pr- present day Dave Grohl. Um, so Though, so this is safe to say this is at the bottom of both of our lists. I think so. Thus yeah. far. Yeah, thus I far. think so. I think so. And and when you give a gift of flesh, your blood runs cold, Kristen. Oh.
This is another one that I absolutely love, and I do know a little bit about this one, Kristen. Ooh, tell us. Well, I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I believe that this is actually a tribute and a song about Steve Clark. Yes. And uh, and this so and the next one. Oh, really? I, no, I didn't know about that one. The next mm-hmm. one, but I this song, this is just one of those songs you feel. You know, it's one of the things that goes back to back in the day when we first started Rock Out Loud. You know, the joke was, all I'll sit here and say is, well, it just jams, um, <laughs> you know, or you can really feel it. But I, that's one of my, that remains one of my top, um, one of my top ways of, of criticizing music or critiquing music is, do I feel it? You know, and this is a song that I absolutely feel. And I, I love this song. I, I I love this song a lot, and I absolutely one of my favorite couplets in this song is and and <laughs> and I don't know if you'll be there with me or not. I imagine you will. Again, I don't want to steal your thunder, but it is whose life is it anyway? Because living living is the best revenge you can play. Hell yeah! I love that line. You know, it's like it, it's 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 the defiant thing of like it still kills us that you're gone and and we feel like you know that that you were dealt the bad hand or that you know we this is just like there's a little bit of we blame you for being gone but at the same time you know we're not going to stop living because whether it's circumstances or you living is the best revenge we can get on this whole situation this song now tell me if you feel what i feel with this song this song to me gives me such like movie song like movie soundtrack song where like the couple just broke up Mm -hmm. like they're like the girls leaving or the guys leaving the girl's apartment it's raining he gets to the cab he like looks up to the window like it's that it's like melancholy yeah like totally dramatic but in a good way. There, Love. there is a sad moment. There is a car, and there is rain. Yes, for yes! sure. Yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> like literally, that's just what the song is. Like the music video. Like that's what it needs to is, be. Is that the music video? I have no idea. I don't even know if this song has a music video. <laughs> let's see. Well, Kristen, I've never seen it if it does. Let's see what we got here. I am. I am opening up YouTube right now. And uh, YouTube user Hutchblade, who has 197 subscribers, still more than Geek Out Loud. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. He put scenes from The Crow set to Def Leppard, Blood Runs Cold. Oh, my God. That's got Send that to me in the chat. I yeah. have to watch that later. I'm sure that's incredible. <laughs> the entire Crow aesthetic is a car and rain. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yes. And lots of leather. So... <laughs> Well, I've sent you the remastered um, Candy in Your Hands, and I've sent you the Crow set to... Oh, bless you. Set to Blood Runs Cold. So, <laughs> everyone, please check out Hutchblade's YouTube. Um, Come on, Hutchblade. <laughs> but yeah, dude, that's like totally the vibe of this song. And like, 
mm-hmm. again, like introspective song again, yeah. like yep. very, a very vulnerable, like raw emotional song. Yeah. Um, things we don't usually necessarily get from Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. So now, again, it's like, if you're into that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. you really dig this record. If yeah. you kind of just want, you know, good time party rock, this probably isn't the record for you. Euphoria is probably your nineties Def Leppard record. <laughs> For sure, but at the same time, I want to say this, that I appreciate, again, I appreciate the more personal touch that is that is kind of laced this this record. Preach. Um, I, you know, I don't want it necessarily all the time from Def Leppard, but I do appreciate it here. And, yes. and I appreciate this album for what it is. And, and like, I'm sorry, this is another song. You put it out as a single in, in 1996. It's on the Billboard Top 100 at least. I need to talk to some record people that were around in that time. (laughs) I'm serious. If given a fair shake, I really believe that. But I think I think that Def Leppard had the stigma of party rock, you know, um, hair band, hair band. Yeah, the term. I didn't want to go the term hair band, but they did. I'm I'm only using it because you know that's how they were were referred to by these people. Yeah, and I think they're like, well, hair bands are out, and but I I I cannot look if if Bon Jovi could make it happen with freaking. uh, it's my life, which I love. I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say I love that song. Then, then this, this. I don't know if it's an agent situation. I don't know, but there's no reason that Blood Runs Cold shouldn't be one of those peak moments from the 1990s. I agree, but here's the thing too with Bon Jovi. If we bring that up, so it's my life was like if it was if it wasn't 2000, it was 99. Like That's late right. 99. You're right. You're right. Cause I was so, in McDonald's at the time. You're right. So that was 90. That was late night. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Like either super late nineties or like I said, early 2000s. So there and was, so there was the, a nostalgia the, play that was there. Yeah. And I think like the Bon Jovi record to compare timeline wise would be these days, which again, yeah. very interesting record, mm-hmm. very interesting record, but extremely different from what Def Leppard did here. Definitely a bit more commercial than what Def Leppard did here. Right. Um, not so much of a quote unquote, you know, departure from keep the faith. But who knows? Maybe we'll cover that on another one of these. That, yeah, that would be a good one because you've got this. Uh, okay, here, here you go. If you want to do, if you want to do, child, this ain't a love song. Oh, you know, um, something for the pain. That's a that this ain't a love song would probably be one of their most commercialized ones off of that one, right? Oh, hundred percent. That probably would be the most I would say. And and as and I love that song, but as I much as I, as much as I love that song, I I put Blood Runs Cold right up there with it. As far as being able, I think it could have had the same commercial success. I really do. I don't, and I could oh, commercial and, success. Yes. And, and here, right, right. But that, and that's, and that's my point is I think that from a, that I don't know where the disconnect is unless they're just, unless it is just the hair band stigma and no one gave them, I, that's the only thing I can see is that no one gave them a fair shake or if they just said, ah, we're not even going to try. We're just going to hang with our fans and see how they respond. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the business was at the time, you know, as far as like with them. But but I just feel like it, there's at least two songs on this album that would have been, that should have been, I'm going to say should have been, um, much more well-received and, and should be talked about as far as some of the great songs that come out of the 90s. I mean, I can't, I can't uh, 
say anything against that. Preach. I'm getting ticked off about it, to be honest. Ditto. <laughs> do you con- do you consider this song a ballad? Um, kind of. And it's so funny because now that we've kind of talked about ballads and like we mm-hmm. kind of like you know said, oh, I don't know if this falls into a ballad. My ballad that you know I'm gonna talk about is probably not like considered a ballad, okay. but whatever. But well, I the reason I- the reason I asked is because I thought, well, this has to be it. It's not. Okay, great. It's the, ne- it's the next one. Okay, good deal. Well, let's let's do it then. Let's go. Let's answer that question. Where does love go when it dies? Yeah, this is a ballad. This is this is for sure a ballad. Okay, good. Yeah. This is uh this song to me like it kills me mm-hmm. because this this is a, another Steve Clark song. Okay. And I mean, again, like just the lyrics, like if you came across your dream, would you walk on by, hold a candle to the wind and just let it die? Like you can tell that like I mean, obviously, you know, this was one of their best friends. Obviously, they're still going to be, you know, kind of dealing with the pain, anger, all the emotions that come with how he passed away. Mm-hmm. And this song, I feel like this song feels like an open wound. Yeah. Well, you you have to imagine for these guys that every time they go into the studio, you know, that they are missing his talent. They're mm-hmm. they're missing his personality. Like like they have to be haunted by the ghost of Steve Clark every time, even to this day, when they would go to sit down to do an album to record anything. You know, and so so I think that what you're dealing with is an open wound here, and I and I think it's I, I think it's a an uh, I think that this song is it is it is chock full of philosophical conflicts and 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 matters of the heart that come to dealing with any type of loss or any type of love loss even you know 
that this is, you know, that that there's a kindness that is that is leaning into these sacred things or these beautiful things that are there's also an ugliness there with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's really and it's it, there's an interesting dichotomy between between the horrid and the beautiful, or or the or the, 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 the sacrilegious and the sacred. And, and it's just, uh, and, and there's unanswered questions and, and there's the, there's the dealing with this loss that they just still feel cheated by. And, um, and that's true when you lose a loved one to death, but it's also true in when you lose a loved one in a relationship, you know, like you can, you can take it either way here. And, um, and, and, and and this is I, I love the acousticness of this. Um, it almost sounds like there's a mandolin going in the background, yes. you know, or at least they're playing very high on the on on the guitar, if nothing else. Um, and it it is it is something different from Def Leppard, but very much still the same because as they all come in singing together, you're you're home with Def Leppard. Um, in, in that moment, if you're, if you're a fan. And so I, I totally dig, I totally get why you dig this song. That was beautiful, Steve. Thank you, Kristen. Like, I just have to say, that was beautifully, <laughs> uh, beautifully put. Um, so I have, I have two things to say, right? Okay. So one is going to be like my, you know, lyrical highlight. Cause mm-hmm. you know, me, but the last, like literally the last verse of the song, like if you woke up from your sleep, blood on your hands, would you wash away the pain? No one understands. Mm. There must be someone out there who could help you breathe again. And would it ever be enough? Mm. It's almost like no matter what we did in terms of like Steve, it's like in terms of no matter what we did for you, how much we did for you, like it could never be enough. Right. Like it nothing almost coming to terms with like, we just couldn't help you. We did everything we could. It wasn't enough. And it's okay to be sad about that and be, and, you know, feel bad about that, mm-hmm. but also coming to terms with like, you know, we did everything we possibly could. Yeah. Um, my second thing to add to this song is definitely not sentimental in any way. I almost got into a fight over this song. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Please tell me the story. So I was outside a show waiting in line as I do. And I was talking to some friends and we were. Ta- I don't even know how we got on the topic of slang by Def Leppard, but we're talking about Def Leppard. We're talking about slang, and I was saying how I think it's a totally underrated record. Like I think it just came out at the wrong time. Like kind of how we're saying tonight. Like it just wasn't given a fair shake. Da 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 da. And then my one friend asked me. He was like, "What's your favorite song on the record?" And I said, "Honestly, I think Where Does Love Go When It Dies is one of the best songs they've ever written. Lyrically, it might be one of the best songs they've ever written." And literally, this person who I don't know, hmm. never talked to. So this is a stranger in line at a, at a show somewhere. Yes, turns around and says, "Well, you must have the worst taste in music on planet Earth." And I was Shut like, "Up." what yeah i was like excuse me and she was like if you think where does love goes where, where does love go when it dies is it is like a decent song i like i don't even know how you could possibly have any taste in music and i was like i'm sorry i don't recall asking you or asking for your opinion and she's like well you all are talking loud enough and it was like a group of 10 of us right so I'm like, yeah, but also you don't have to listen to it. And also, if you don't think that song is incredible <laughs> lyrically, I think you are a freaking idiot. 
Oh my gosh. And she just started to get like, so like huffy. And I'm like, dude, I don't know why you're coming for me about my opinion on this song when yeah. literally no one was talking with you. I'm like, are you upset because you're here like with one person and you know, we're, we're, we're a big group and you're somehow offended. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, but let's just set the record straight here. Where does love go when it dies? Their best song. There's no comment needed from you. <laughs> Like, like this I'm not... girl is coming for me. Like, what the hell? What I love is it's like, you know what? Instead of just saying it's one of or my favorite off this album, I'm going to say it's their best song ever. So forget you, lady. I'm not going to... No I caveats. No caveats. No no nuanced conversation. I'm right. You're wrong. Shut up. Oh, my God. Like, I, this like is... Afterwards, I'm like, I should have turned it on and be like, what's your favorite song? Photograph? Like, come on. What do you think? I think that Rocket is probably their best work ever. Really? Can you like walk me through that and like dissect your feelings? Well, they just they talk about so many things and they mention names and they say they say song titles. Let's go point by point and I'll tell you why your opinion sucks. Well, you're talking loud enough, so maybe I can talk with you. (laughs) Like it was crazy. I was literally like, who is this person? And why? Like, like I'm I mean I'm friendly. I'm not like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. people say I'm intimidating, which is fine. People that listen to this show that have seen me out in the wild have been like, you're really intimidating. So I didn't come up to you. And I'm like, I don't know why. I'm just like some idiot that likes music. But okay. So it's like, I don't, I don't know, dude. Just like, why you gotta come for me like that? It's, it's, look, it's the thing. It is, that is something that is true across fandom, you know, any type of fandom. You know, you're standing in line somewhere, whether for a sporting event, you know, and you start to say, oh, one of my favorite players of all time. What are you talking about? He's trash. You know, he got traded here and we don't like him anymore. It's like, hey, back off, man. I can still like someone just because, you know, or, or you get into you get into my geek world. Don't oh, even, I, I can mean, imagine. you know, don't even like like there were moments in my life waiting for Star Wars movies in line or something where people would start to dog parts of the star wars saga that i love and it's like do i even engage right now you know if right. i do what's going to happen is are we going to get in a fist fight over ewoks today you know <laughs> and and with and with two big fat nerds what, what would that actually look like you know does anyone have a camera to film it um you know that that kind of thing and and oh my gosh just the just the entitlement people have sometimes of their opinion about something you know, and it's like, I love talking with somebody about an opinion that differs sure, from yeah. mine, especially when it comes to like, you know, stuff that I really love, like music. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as you're not coming for me and being like, your music taste is trash. Well, then we can't really level here. But if you're like, oh, you know what? Like, actually, I actually think that Euphoria is like one of their greatest things. Or it's like, you just want to like have an open discussion. Right. Sure. But when you're when you're literally just coming in looking for a fight and you're looking to pick a fight, like I don't understand what the point of that is. Why would you ever look at someone who you don't know who just has a different opinion you and say, "Well, your your opinion of music is trash." Yeah, like I never want to like I try really hard and like sometimes I do like for like joke effect on like here, but I really do try not to like poo-poo on anyone's parade. Like if someone's like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like if someone, if like someone came on this podcast and they were like, Nirvana is my favorite band of all time. Like I would be like, you know, I mean, my opinion about Nirvana is pretty clear, but 
talk about more why they've impacted your life. Like, I don't know, man. I'm not here to poo-poo on anybody because my entire life I've been poo-pooed on by people saying sure. that my music taste is trash and John Bon Jovi looks like a girl. Like, no, he doesn't. Stop it. Leave me alone. <laughs> can Can I be honest? Brett Michaels always looked more like a girl to me than John Bon Jovi. I mean, everybody in Poison is a prettier girl than I will ever be. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Everybody Google look with the cat dragged in by poison and just be like, yeah, that's those are the prettiest looking girls I've ever seen. In my life. Well, here, here's the thing, you know, here, when you when you're talking about if nothing else, when you're talking about a song like Where Does Love Go When It Dies, you know, regardless if you think it's, it's the best Def Leppard song they ever did or, or, you know, just a favorite off an album or or even if it's good, you can't get away from the fact that these are powerful words. In yes. this song, these are powerful. If nothing else, they're powerful philosophical ideas to to wrestle with and grapple with when it comes to grief, any any level of grief. And so, for someone to turn around, I mean, like, here's the thing: it's like you're in line at the same show. Obviously, there are intersecting tastes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's like I don't want to relitigate this confrontation all over again, Kristen. But I'm just at a point where I'm like, I, I, I wish I could talk to the person and be like, obviously, there's some common ground here. Why don't we start there and then have a fun talk about music? She was on the other side of the stage from me. Thank God. Hmm. Just saying. Because <laughs> I could tell she would be not a good person to be near uh, at a show. So if you, back in the day, bought the American version of this CD, mm-hmm. um, it ends with... With the next song. With the next song. Pearl of Euphoria. We'll, we'll move on from, from Kristen's near fight in, in concert lines. <laughs> This this really does feel more like um, 
to me, Chris, and I'm sure you remember hidden tracks on CDs. Yeah. Back in the day, this really feels more like something you'd have on a hidden track. Um, I could see than that. a song. This is this probably is is on the lower end of 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 songs that I prefer off this album as well as the earlier one we were talking about, which I forget what it was. Deliver me, I think. Um, but, you know what I like about this song, though. What's that? So I one I love that it's called Pearl of Euphoria, and here's why. I feel like it's almost like a full circle, right? Mm-hmm. Like this record is called, you know, working title, Commercial Suicide. Mm-hmm. It was not popular. Like it's totally a departure. It's not your kind of average, typical Def Leppard record that you mm-hmm. would expect. But you look on all these Def Leppard records, right? Pyromania, Hysteria, they're all IAs, right? Yeah. And then literally the last word on this record is euphoria. Hmm. So we're, we're back to that IA. And then the next record is named euphoria, which is extremely in the vein of old classic Def Leppard. Well, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's definitely one of those interesting things in three years, they'll release euphoria and, and they bring Mutt Lang back for a few days and he has actually, you know, they, they, in a more limited role, but he actually sings background vocals on some things. Yep. Um, you know, on a few of the songs that I remember, I rem- see, this is how much I miss slang because I remember in 99 when promises was on the radio as a single. Oh, I and, love it. And I thought, good Lord, how long has it been since they put an album out? <laughs> you know, like, cause I miss slang completely. Yeah. You know, it wasn't getting any airtime and I didn't really go looking for music a lot in the mid nineties. And so, um, not, not, not Def Leppard anyway. I, you know, it was like, why would I, they, they don't have anything out. You know, that was kind of my thought process. Um, and so I was content with the vault, you, you know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, but this, yeah, that's definitely, that's one of those things I definitely noticed about this. I, I wonder how planned that was, or if it was just like, you know, when they got back in the studio to work on euphoria, they're like, let's just call it euphoria. Right? Like a happy accident. Right. Because, I mean, it's crazy to me that Promises was such a radio hit. Because, again, it's very classic Def Leppard, mm-hmm. which was not in fashion at the time, yeah. you know? so. Well, again, though, by the time you get to 99, you know, there is that nostalgia feeling kicking back in for a lot of people. A little bit more open, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know what? This, okay, so this song, the bass line in it, and, like, that intro... Oh, okay, like people people will laugh at me, but you know what it reminds me of? What's that? To me, it literally sounds like um, Fever Dog by Stillwater from the movie Almost Famous. <laughs> like when you played it, because I've been watching Almost Famous like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like when me and Angie hung out the other day, we watched the bootleg extended version, which is amazing. Um, and I've been watching it because it's been making the rounds on cable. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, this literally sounds like Fever Dog. Which would be a few years later, but you know, whatever. Well, um, still good. Let me let me pull that up real quick just to get a <laughs> fever dog. Which, by the way, okay. While Steve's pulling that up, um, so I found this weekend. Well, really, Bill found it. Bill found a shirt at Hot Topic that has the quote on it from Almost Famous. I always tell the girls, never take it seriously. If you never take it seriously, you never get hurt. If you never get hurt, you always have fun. And if you ever get lonely, you just go to the record store and visit your friends. I bought that shirt. I also bought a shirt that says groupie on it, and it's crossed out in red spray paint and says band-aid on it. (laughs) Nice. 
This is uh, this is the track you were talking about here, Fever Dog, Stillwater. Yeah, well, I can't wait because we're gonna, we're actually going to do some almost famous stuff later in the year. Um, I can't wait. And uh, and this will be a fun one to talk about because you got a little bit of when the levee breaks, yes. uh, as it opens up. You got a little bit of um, uh, like Southern rock. You got yeah. What is the what is the Nugent song? The um, oh, uh, stranglehold. Stranglehold. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got a little bit of that there. But yes, I do. You're right. It it has that feel here that Pearl of Euphoria has that same kind of feel, that driving, just hard, constant bass in the in the background. I'll tell you this, when I listen to it, this is what I think, and I don't want you to hate me for this, um, but I think Creed was listening to some slang because, oh, okay. be, because there are so many of their... Um, their tracks that have this same, this same kind of... This is the Pearl of Euphoria here. enough to uh, know well what it is what it is is it's just kind of like it's the style that's going on because you've got this one thing that's just driving and the way he's he's doing the lyrics Mm -hmm. you know is very much in the way that creed there's some songs by creed that sound this way where there's not really a melody to the lyrics so much as they're just kind of doing some stuff with this and then they'll hit some notes here and there you know what i mean like it's it's kind of a disjointed feel to everything yeah, it's kind of a weird way to end the record, to be honest. And, like, I don't necessarily know, like, based on everything else we've heard, like, I don't necessarily think there's a closing song on this record mm-hmm. in terms of, like, okay, well, if you don't like Pearl of Euphoria, what else do you put as the closing song? Like, right. I don't know that any of them give that, like, closing song vibe. Yeah. But well, that's what Def Leppard usually does do great album closers. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say this feels like a hidden track to me. Yeah, because it really does feel like the CD's playing, and for whatever reason, it's still going. You know, a minute and a half later, and then all of a sudden, that drum and that bass kick in. Right. Um, oh, wait, what? Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, oh, hidden track. Yeah. It's always fun to find those <laughs> things. Um, so here is though, if you, that's Pearl of you. That's how it ended. If you picked up the American version, but if you were in Japan and you picked up this this CD in Japan, there was an extra track there. And uh, it's called uh, Move With Me Slowly. Get too close to me 
Look, if I had a time machine, <laughs> I would go back to 1996. Mm-hmm. I would find myself in 1996. Mm-hmm. I would say, stop dating that person. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I would say to myself, go to Blockbuster Music, pick up Slang by Def Leppard. And the import. You, and if somehow you can get the import, do that. And then I would go find whoever was in charge of promotion and publication and publicity for this album and say what is your problem move with me slowly needs radio play oh this is this is my favorite song on this album really i love this song i love i love that i love the groove of this song i love the 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 vocals i love the way you know we we faded out because of you know copyright crap but like I love the way it just comes in hard there for you know in that second verse. I love the vocals just all being together. I love this song. You know what's funny? When I was first listening, well not first listening, but when we kind of, you know, decided that this is what we were going to, you know, we were going to do this theme, we were going to focus on this album when I was listening to it and Move With Me Slowly came on. I was driving in my car. I will never forget it. I was driving in my car. I was going to the gas station before I went to go visit my friend and this song came on and I literally went, this is such a Steve Glosson song. <laughs> it is. It's like, so this is right up there with like night moves for you. Yes. Like, yes. Is, like, you know, if there was a soundtrack to Steve Glosson, move with me slowly would be on it. Yes, of course. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I love this song. Cut, it is. Thank you. Thank you. It is a deep cut. I love this. I mean, look, I love Breathe a Sigh. We've talked about that. But man, this everything you just said about this song, as far as like just the way it grooves, the way it's got that whole night moves feel to it. Yes, definitely. Yep. So, I love the guitar in the beginning too. Yes. Like doing that palm muting. Oh. This it makes me wish this is one of the songs that I listen to and I'm like, this is why I wish I could play the guitar. It's like if I had five hundred billion million trillion dollars and I could get Def Leppard to play like a private event for me, I'd be like, "Hi, the only stipulation is that you have to play Move With Me Slowly. Learn it. <laughs> I'd be like, come out. I want to sit on the back porch in some lawn chairs. Go ahead. Here's your amp to plug into. And I want us just to sit around and do this. Oh. That's, that's, I will provide backing vocals. Right, I would. You think I'm kidding? I wouldn't a heartbeat. I would. I would say, Joe, love you, man. I want to back you up on this as well. <laughs> because this is a dream of mine. Because yes. the song is perfection. Yeah, you know, some people dream of getting on stage with them and doing "Pour Some Sugar on Me." You know, some people, some people dream of like just hanging with them. You know, and and maybe even going to that seedy little under the stage stuff they had back in the day. I'm like, let's just sit around the porch, chill, and sing Move With Me Slowly. Drink some buds, you know. I don't have even have good, to do that. I don't like Have a good cold one. Yeah, yeah. Just some, you know, maybe maybe a cigar smoking over in the ashtray over there. You know, just, Ugh. well, that's just, I'm telling you, this is my dream, not yours. I know. So. <laughs> I'm trying to insert myself in it because <laughs> I just love it so much. But especially if we could be a house on the shore at the beach, you know what I mean? Like. 
with the boats cruising by, oh. the jet skis cruising by. Sun going down, shut your mouth. Come like on. it is right now. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just Utah. Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> you can feel it. Like Steve always says like that he can feel like my smile. And when I get super excited, like he feels my excitement. Like I feel Steve's excitement and love for this song. I just love it. I love it so much. It's great. It's great. It's just <laughs> wonderful. But so... This, look, ultimately, this whole album to me is, it's a, it's such an interesting album. And I mean that in a good way. A lot of times people say interesting when they don't want to put, you know, when they don't want to dog something. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting because, because of the way it's produced, because of the time that it, that it is from, and, and the fact that, yes, you can tell, you can listen to this album and say, I think this is probably from around the mid-90s. Well, it sure is. But at the same time, I don't, I don't feel like that though it has a sound from there, it doesn't sound like they compromised to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think that, that they can look at this album, this group can look at this album and say, you know what, we, we used the tools of the day. We tried some new things, but we did not compromise who we were for, you know, the, it is commercial suicide in a lot of ways. But I don't think it, and that's, and that's where I get ticked off listening to this because I don't think it had to be. Yeah, you know there there are there are three good there are at least three good singles out of this that it did not have to be and look fourteen on the top one hundred albums of the year not too shabby. I agree. You know what's crazy though with like this record like they say you know commercial suicide and all that but I feel like this was a record that like they had to make mm -hmm. and like art like commercial suicide artistically fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you go and get a record like Euphoria, which is your meat and potatoes, like, you know, your classic Def Leppard vibe, and everybody's happy. Yep. But they needed to make this record at this time in order to do all the other stuff, mm -hmm. amazing stuff that's come after it, because amazing Def Leppard stuff has been released after this album. Yeah, 100% agree. And uh, and and, I, and I'm sure down the road we'll get to some of that, you know, as, as we move forward with the show and everything. But before before we wrap everything up, I the couple of things I want to mention. I know we've gone super long as we often do. Um <laughs> I wanna I wanna revisit a text that I sent to you a couple of weeks ago. Oh God, okay. My wife and I were my wife and I were in Florida. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. and she had run into this store that she just absolutely loves to go into, this place down there. And I was outside waiting on her and on the radio, um, Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes came on. I had on 80s on 8, I guess, or something, or just, or the local radio station, I guess, a, a station I found that played a decent mix, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, In Your Eyes comes on. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, and and this is, I'm going to read verbatim what I wrote to you. <laughs> Here's a reason I shouldn't be doing a rock music podcast. At the beach in my car, waiting on my wife, and Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes comes on the radio. And the thought comes unbidden to my mind. This is good beach music. I felt immediate shame, but I can't help but agree with myself. God help me. I think I'm a pop music at the beach kind of guy. <laughs> but like I said, there's no shame in that. Beach music is its own thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you're not going to listen to Metallica at the beach, no, even if you love Metallica. No, it was just the right time of day and the right temperature. And in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is You just really need a boombox over your head and a trench coat. Thank you. Yeah, I just and be and look like John Cusack. Yep. Um, but, uh, but I'm like, this is a good beach song. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm like, 
That's exactly what went. And so I immediately had to text you and tell you that. I loved it. I literally, I was sitting because I think that came through like when I was uh, like on my lunch break. Yeah, still. it was middle of the day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And like I was sitting there and the text came through and I literally like howled like because I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, because sometimes me and Steve, like we don't text each other all the time, but sometimes we'll shoot like a really crazy text. Like my thing, like, you know, about only psychos like me think about this stuff. Right. And, yes. And you being like, I should not be hosting a rock music podcast. Right. <laughs> Because in your eyes. I mean, we've done plenty of shows on this podcast, though, that is totally not rock. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but but that's I guess that's the joy of this of this show. I think that we have a good time talking things. And that leads me then to my greatest fear uh, when it comes to this this particular show is uh, you're going to be guesting on another show coming up I soon. I am. Yeah. Why, why is that your biggest well, fear? Well, because I'm afraid that Mac is going to try to steal you. No! <laughs> Mac has been taught. Okay, so for those of you that don't know who Mac is, Mac listens to this show quite a lot. Dylan Mac McManus. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. been on this show. Um, and he has been like saying to me forever, like, hey, come on my show, come on my show. Um, like, but this was when this was in like our year long hiatus. Mm -hmm. So like it's been for a while that he's just been saying, like, hey, like, come on, we'll hang out, we'll just like have a good time. Um and essentially, that's what we are going to do. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So tune in. I mean, I'll post. I don't like, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll post links on like social and stuff like mm -hmm. that because I don't know them right now. But yeah, yeah it's just going to be like a, a hangout, like way not structured. Like this is way more structured than what tomorrow is going to be. Okay, but great. Cool. Well, tomorrow you know at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Well, you know, you know, I love a good uh, a good hangout sesh. It's the best. So, what do you know the name of the show? It's uh, Delicious Hellfire. Delicious Hellfire. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounds like some some person. <laughs> that sounds like in in some medieval movie where they're about to go into battle, and he's like, "This will be delicious Hellfire." And I give you Hellfire. That's right. Oh, it'll be delicious. So. He just had um, Meg from Meg and Dia. I mean, like, I'm an emo kid, so, like, I know who that is. I have no but idea he, who that is. He, like, just had her on the podcast, and I know he, like, loves Meg and Dia. So when he posted that, I was like, that's so cool. So I'll probably ask him tomorrow, like, yo, how'd you get that to happen? Nice. Well, that'll be fun. So everyone tune in. Kristen's going to be guesting on, on Delicious Hellfire. Check it out. I'm sure it's on iTunes, wherever you can find podcasts. And uh, with a longtime friend of the show, Dylan, um, Dylan Macca McManus, uh, we just call him Macca. Um, Macca for he short. used to have some things. And I and we had uh, an email real quickly before we wrap up sure. from uh, from Keith Walters in Pittsburgh. And uh, he said, I heard you guys talking about playlists and that brought a strange playlist. I made it that brought to mind a strange playlist I made a few years ago. He had three separate songs titled Amy or Amy, they just spelled them differently, by Elton John, Green Day, and Pure Prairie League. Okay. This is my okay. this is my Amy playlist, I guess. The other strange thing was a playlist. The title was I Want the Bunnies, which came from misheard lyrics in the Nine Inch Nails song Down In It. The actual line of the song is I Was Up Above It. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Glad the roll episodes are coming again. You guys are my exposure to new songs. Well, no new songs on this one, Keith. Just some great stuff that you may have missed from Def Leppard with the album Slang from 1996. 
Um, man, it, uh, it just, I shouldn't be b- bummed by the fact that it didn't get the, didn't get the recognition that I think it deserves. But, um, but I am, it's one of those things that I just, I have no control over and it shouldn't bother me, but it does. I imagine a world where like you eventually meet Def Leppard and that's what you say to them. Like, you know, I'm really upset that slang just didn't get the, you know, the credit that it deserves. You, I, <laughs> and, and they'd be like, whoa. You don't think that I would immediately say, all right, guys, look, let's talk about slang real quickly. And I would I would say, why did it not? Because these songs, and I would tell them, these songs could stand up to anything that was on the charts at that time. Hell, you yeah. Know? And then they'd look at me in their polite British way, even though the rockers would be like, well, you know, it went to 14 on the charts, so we're pretty happy with that. And I would be your hype man. I would just be like, yes, yeah, Steve, tell yeah, yeah. And you know what? Instead, guys, just go listen to this episode of Rock Out Loud. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, we we really put you guys over there. So. All the time. Literally every episode. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good times. Listen, if you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you. The email is rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. Rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. And uh, we are here. And, and I don't know what we'll do next. We've got a lot of great ideas that have spun out of this this concept, as we said. Almost famous We'll be celebrating that. I believe the anniversary is in September. Yeah. So uh, so we will be celebrating then. Uh, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, as we say down these parts. We'll be celebrating the release of Almost Famous, the 20-year anniversary of Almost Famous um, coming up in September. So there'll be, we'll, I'm sure we'll do a, I've got all kinds of ideas for that. Because that now you're getting into my geek out loud world when it comes to celebrating I know, I movies. Can't wait. So, uh, so there's a great soundtrack to discuss. There's watch-alongs to be had. All kinds of fun stuff. Maybe even some sing-alongs. Who knows? But it'll it'll be fun. But we've got other stuff I'm sure coming before then. If you want to be in part, if you want to jump into the conversation, the email is the is the place to do it. Rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. You can go to geekoutonline.com/group, and there's the Goliverse Facebook group going on over there where we talk everything from the geeky stuff to the music to all this and of course there's our rock out loud page at facebook.com slash rock out loud if you want to jump over there and give that a like and uh of course the the itunes uh so if you've not subscribed to us i don't know how you're listening to this show but uh but encourage your friends to do so and uh and and be and jump in on the fun with us because that's really at the end of the day what this is all about is just having a good time with the music that we enjoy and we're going to continue to do that when we get with you next time here on rock out loud until then i'm steve I'm Kristen. Rock on, everybody. Rock on, guys. Bye. Volume. <laughs>